Are you recording now? Branch. 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 Branch out. A podcast from the Royal Botanic Garden, Sydney. Uh, if you don't know what's out there, you can't even begin to think about how to use it. Creek crossings, cliff ledges. Yeah, collecting in swamps and low-lying areas. Hey, I'm Vanessa Fuchs, and that's Dr Trevor Wilson and Dr Matt Renner, botanists from the Royal Botanic Gardens, Sydney, who brave the elements to collect and study plant material all over Australia. How about the, um, the Razorback Ridge that we're on collecting those bunya pines, where one metre to your left is a 100 metre drop, and one metre to your right is a 100 metre drop, and you're standing underneath a towering 20, 25 meter tall tree that's on the cusp of this thing. Hmm, if somebody pushes it over, the whole ledge will come off with you, I think. Starting with early human efforts to identify edible, medicinal, and poisonous plants, botany is one of the oldest branches of science. And Matt and Trevor continue to venture into the wilderness to discover what's out there. But Matt wasn't always interested in plants. used to think that plants were the most boring things on earth because they didn't do anything, um, and they all looked the same anyway. But uh, I was given an orchid to look after by my mum when I was 14, and something popped in my brain because uh, it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. What about it was crazy? Uh, it was... Um, it was a stick with three leaves stuck on the top, growing in a pot full of rocks. And uh, for me, in my ignorant appreciation of the world around me, it broke all the rules about what I thought plants should be. Matt has come a long way from caring for his mother's orchid. For the last 18 years, he's been studying a group of simple plants known as bryophytes. This group of plants is made up of liverworts, mosses and hornworts, which started growing on land about 470 million years ago. I was amazed that uh, you could take um, you know, a piece of what's literally green scunge like this. Matt's pointing to some liverworts which are blanketing some rocks inside the fernery at the Royal Botanic Garden, Sydney, and reflecting on how he first became interested in these ancient but seemingly uninteresting plants. And I was, just, I was, I was astounded that you could get this stuff to genus, uh, let alone species. I thought it was some sort of botanical dark art. It was almost like magic. And um, when, I, when I looked at them under a dissecting microscope, I, yeah, I really just, uh, I just fell in love with them. Yeah. Like these, are, these, are, these are just intricate little beasts. They have all sorts of um, appendages and cilia on the underside. They're, 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 they're gorgeous organisms, but you don't see it until you look at them with a the microscope. And when I did, uh, something inside my brain popped and I've been, uh, I've been hooked on them. Every day people don't really stop to look at liverworts or think about them in the way Matt does. Honestly, they're very easy to overlook. And from where I'm standing inside the fernery, it really does just look like green scunge. I need Matt to paint a better picture. In New Zealand, we have this thing called mossy forest. And I love it because most of the biomass and most of the diversity in mossy forest is actually liverworts. So, um, <laughs> Why are you giggling? I, I enjoy that. <laughs> oh, I love correcting people. Um, so oh. I'm like, really, it's not, it's not mossy forest, it's liverworty forest. So the tops of many Pacific islands covered in liverworty forests. Uh, PNG, all across the Indonesian archipelago, uh, really high diversity um, of liverworts in those forests. We actually have these tiny, humble plants to thank for causing such a major rise in the oxygen content of Earth's atmosphere. 
paving the way for our very existence. They also gave rise to the more complex plants like trees, flowers, grasses and vines, known as vascular plants, which is Trevor's domain. In particular, Plectranthus. Plectranthus is this little herbaceous, succulent almost, uh, mint plant that grows all up and down Australia and across the tropics, all the way to Africa. And we don't really know much about it in Australia. Despite studying very different plants, Trevor and Matt make an awesome team. In 2014, they went on a field trip to Jardine River National Park in far north Queensland, the very tip, to look for Plectranthus. In northern Queensland, in the Cape York, where we, where we aimed to go, has a really high diversity of, of Plectranthus species, or so it's thought. So we decided to go around all the rocky outcrops, wherever we could get to, and see what was there. I thought, looking at a, looking at a map, up at the Jardine River, I said, hey Matt, this has got a bit of some rocks in the area. So I thought, oh, this is a great place for Plectranthus. Did and you find any? No. <laughs> <laughs> but the story has a good point to it. Yes, it does. So Matt's come along to a seasonally dry, monsoonal, low-lying area. Not a swirling, misty mountain in the wet tropics where bryophytes thrive. He's not prepared to find anything of interest to him. But something caught his eye. Uh, Colour was the first thing that caught my eye. Um, when you get to know a group of plants well, you become fairly attuned to just uh, certain shades of green. And you can spot the colour from, oh, you know, 10, 12 metres away. So alongside this little permanent waterway feeding out of a large, ba a permanently wet basin, in a lens on the sandstone plateau was a series of waterfalls and alongside these waterfalls was this you know bright vibrant yellow green color they're just in the uh, the vertical soil on the side of the stream banks uh, getting splashed continuously by the, the spray coming off the water these small waterfalls yeah uh, this this little plant was was uh, was unexpected I, I didn't expect to see uh, any species of Lepidosiaceae in this country. Lepidosiaceae is the family of leafy liverworts Matt suspects this curious little plant belongs to. When you think liverworts, you want to collect them, you go to wet mountains. You don't go to hot, periodically dry, um, uh, seasonal monsoon woodlands. So it's out of place? Uh, very, yes. It was very out of place. Did you shout? Did you go, hey, I got something? Uh, or what did you do? No, I uh, looked at it and then I asked Trevor for his hand lens because not expecting to see anything interesting, I'd left mine in the car. So yeah, I borrowed Trevor's hand lens. I still couldn't work out what this thing was in the field. With around 7,500 liverwort species, I'm wondering what Matt would be looking for, if he had the right hand lens to tell these tiny plants apart in the field. Some fairly fine uh, structural details associated with the origin of geotropic stolons that these plants produce to fix them to the substrate. Okay, rewind. Geo what now? Uh, geotropic stolons, are, they're just like pegs. So you put tent pegs into the grounds, these plants grow geotropic stolons to hold them onto their substrate. I like it. What I don't understand is as a, a vascular plant biologist, is is that these things aren't really technically roots. They're they're just other structures 
holding them. Yeah, so you love, uh, love awards haven't come up with roots yet. I'm sure they will one day. Mm. They just have to deal with the structures that are within their developmental capacity. Oh. And, uh, I know. <laughs> What we have here is a great story about um, being observant at all times. There, there are new species at our doorstep, and being observant is the key thing. But finding something is just the first step. Once the adventure in the field is over, the real work starts. After travelling over 3,000 kilometres to get back to Sydney, Matt and Trevor looked at the new plant under a microscope and were certain it belonged to the genus Acromastigum. We then did a survey of the literature, because uh, Acromastigum, fortunately, isn't a very large genus. There's only about 30 described species. And it was monographed in 1934. And for liverworts, um, that's still a, a usable treatment. <laughs> the 30s! Yeah, 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 I know. Um, so... You look at uh, Alexander William Evans's treatment from the early 30s and you can get a fairly good idea about what the Australian plant might be. To be absolutely sure, you have to see uh, the type specimens for yourself. A type specimen is a biological collection of a plant that acts as the name bearer for a species. And the only way for Matt to see some was to go to the Conservatory and Botanic Gardens in Geneva, where over 17,000 type specimens for liverworts are housed. Uh, I checked uh, acromastigum types that are held in Geneva, and uh, the Australian plant from Jardine River didn't match any of them. So at that point, uh, Trevor and I were fairly confident that we had a new species. Fast forward through two years of a lot of work, Matt and Trevor published a discovery and description of their unusual new liverwort species just a few weeks ago. And the best part is naming it. The, the name is Acromastigum carcinum. So carcinum is what you guys have given it. Mm -hmm. And what is carcinum, where does that come from, Trevor? It, it comes from, well, car, carcinos, is that the root word for, for crab? Yep. Carcinos is the Greek word for crab, later translated to the Latin word for crab, which is cancer. What was really interesting about the, the lateral leaves is that they were quite deeply lobed. And to us, they looked very much like the claws of a crab. Which is something you'd only see if you looked really closely at it. Although it was really unusual to find this species in a dry habitat, Matt tells me there are other liverwort species that live in the desert with some awesome survival tricks. Uh, one of which is to roll up when they dry out. And because they have rhizoids which grow into the substrate and adhere to sand grains and other small debris, when the thallus dries out... The thallus is a vegetative body of algae, fungi and bryophytes. It rolls in and the plant pulls itself into the ground and covers itself with sand. So oh, like they, one of those spiders that waits in like the burrow. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit like that, yeah. I'm just trying to paint the picture here. Wow. Yeah, a little bit like that, but they do literally, um, they literally disappear when it's dry. And being so small, I wonder how liverworts and mosses reproduce, because I can't really see any way they could make seeds. They have spores. Free-floating spores that we could be breathing in at any time, any moment. These things are... Even here in the library? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> A third of your household dust is skin. Yeah, well, I wish that the other third was spores. Eh? Yeah, I'd probably I'd trade the spores too. <laughs> 
to know more about what field work is like, and not necessarily just the science stuff, but what it's like to be alone with someone in the wilderness for up to five weeks at a time. It's really important to be able to um, stand long periods of silence together at the same time, imagine things together, and get really excited. It's enjoyable because um, I learn things from Trevor. He has a, a knowledge about plants that I don't and um, hopefully you learn some things from me. We, we also managed to put, it, put up with each other in the field uh, and that's a bonus mm, because we can be a long way from home at times. I'm curious about what they mean by putting up with each other, so I do some digging. Trevor's musical tastes, which are a little bit frenetic for my ear. And when you have to drive hundreds of kilometres together, not liking the same music could be really painful. However, there is one song they do agree on. We, we listen to Arlo yeah, Guthrie, um, Ad nauseum. Uh, what's the name of the song again? Alice, uh, hang on, I'll get it. The train, where is the train called New Orleans? Yeah. Yeah, on loop for nearly 660 kilometers. Oh my God, so, why? So he can do that, ah, whereas I can't. because it's a good tune. <laughs> yeah. For 660 kilometers? Good kilometers. driving music, Trevor wasn't, you know. And that's the only, that's the only song of mine that he likes. <laughs> and he forgot all his music. So you so played maybe, that on repeat, how does it go? Oh, no, I'm not singing it. Come on, a little hum. Oh, I need a guitar, and I'll sing it then. You ever got a guitar? No, I can't sing it. On the city of New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Illinois Central, Monday morning rail. It's a great traveling song, especially when you've got 300 kilometers of, <laughs> of flat... Yeah. land and night and no, not even car lights coming at you. All along the southbound Odyssey, the train pulls out of Kankakee and rolls along past houses, farms and fields. Every year, scientists such as Matt and Trevor discover about 2,000 new plant species, and naming them is the first step in understanding their relationship to other species, creating a conservation plan, or investigating their medicinal qualities. It's gratifying to deposit type specimens that, you know, that Trevor and I collected uh, that will be referred to for as long as those type specimens um, are preserved. Uh, that could be hundreds of years. This legacy of collecting material and having it preserved are important for our future understanding of biodiversity. Thanks for listening to Branch Out. Science Week kicks off this Saturday and there are loads of events and activities for all ages at our parks and gardens all around Sydney. The Living Laboratory event at the Royal Botanic Garden Sydney is this Saturday and it's your chance to go behind the scenes with our scientists and learn about their work. Check out the other activities including Astronomy Night at the Australian Botanic Garden at Mount Annan and the Valley of Light at Centennial Parklands. Heaps of opportunities for awesome photos. Just go to the Royal Botanic Garden Sydney website and look for Science Week under the What's On section on the homepage. Next episode, we're celebrating women in science with Dr. Barbara Briggs. Dr. Briggs is one of Australia's leading botanists and has been performing research at the Royal Botanic Garden Sydney for 59 years. 
She received a Medal of the Order of Australia this year for her significant service to science and research as a botanist. When I started, my f uh, actual special skill was in looking at chromosomes in the plants and never did I imagine that we would be able to read this sort of information. I mean, Charles Darwin, he could not have imagined what we are able to do these days. If you're liking the Branch Out podcast, please give it five stars and leave a positive review in your app. Have an awesome Science Week. <laughs>